when you find yourself doing ministry in places and spaces like these, they can be very challenging for the servant to remain faithful in those hard times. Today we get to see what happened to David when his ministry to the king goes bad. We get to analyze how God could use him as he himself was also being trained to one day become Israel's new king. Here's your background. David had just defeated the Philistine army with a great victory over Goliath. Y'all remember that? And all of Israel was happy and God was on the move. David had been promoted to serve the king in the ranks of one who was over all of the military. He was no longer just his private musician who played for him when his heart got troubled. But he was now the new military commander over all of Israel. It was a new day in Israel. And they were back now, Mason, on the military map. And they were no longer going to suffer at the hands of the Philistines. Because David was in the house. Now, when David moves into the king's inner circle, he is immediately favored by the royal family and by the servants of all Israel. Verses 1 through 4 tell you about Jonathan's love for David. And it looks like all is going to be okay. But ministry quickly goes bad. When he now becomes hated by the king and his life is now in danger. Can I say to you that only in ministry can you go from being the favorite to being the foe in the same day. They can love you today and blast you tonight. I know what I'm talking about. See, serving in a hard ministry will teach us all what it means to follow Christ in difficult days. This text will reveal for us the secret to ministry endurance in a hostile environment. I said to you a couple weeks ago, everybody in here got a ministry. You might not like it, but you got one. You've been called to serve somebody. And this text has your name on it. So zoom in with me and learn how we can do ministry in difficult times. I got four quick things I want to give you. Can I give them to you? Today I want to look at David's ministry strategy. Second of all, I want to talk about David's ministry silence. Thirdly, I want to wrestle with David's ministry to Saul. And then I'm going to land the plane, talk about David's ministry success. Y'all in here? Come on, work with me. Look at verse 5 in your text. The text says, so David went out 
wherever Saul has sent him. And he behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he, he was accepted, watch this now, in the sight of all the people. Somebody say all of them. All. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Let me park the car and work right there. Thank you, Reverend Tong. I think it's fixed right now. Come on back and help me say amen, Reverend. When we come to this portion of the text, we get to see a strategy emerge in David's ministry as the new leader in Saul's military ranks. It's a strategy, Latrice, that will serve him well as he learns what it means to be a king who's being prepared by God to lead and to serve others. The first thing we see is that David as a servant to Saul. He went wherever Saul sent him. Did you see that? In other words, the text is telling us that he was an obedient servant. You should circle that. When Saul sent him out, he behaved himself wisely. And I think these two things, Jackson, are critical for a ministry strategy. What do you mean, Pastor? I believe that David understood who he was ministering to and who he was representing. So as he served, he was on his best behavior. He didn't abuse his status as the commander of the army. Here it is. He didn't talk too much. He didn't overstay his welcome in places. He didn't do anything that would bring shame back to the king. He was faithful, reliable, dependable, trustworthy, accountable, and able to handle the task that was entrusted to him. Reverend Zuniga, the text says that he behaved himself wisely. Here's the observation. The child of God can learn from David's ministry strategy in this new year that, that, that we too ought to serve those around us with a strategy. Why, why? Because we too work for the king. And we should be mindful not to abuse our status or our ministry. We shouldn't talk too much. We shouldn't overstay our welcome in places that the king sends us to serve. We shouldn't do anything to bring shame to the name of the king. We should be faithful in 2016. We should be dependable in 2016. We should be trustworthy in 2016. We should be accountable in 2016. We should be able to handle what he has entrusted to us in 2016. We should behave wisely while we are on mission for God. We should only do and say what the king has told us 
to do and to say. Amen. It's mighty quiet in here. Y'all making me work hard out the block. I see what kind of year this going to be already. Okay, let me come down your row. As husbands, wives, sons or daughters, caretakers, professional, witnesses of all kinds, we need to adapt a, adopt a strategy like this for serving people in a broken world. Can I tell you this year ain't about you. That's worth you coming. But it's about the one you called to serve. Am I making sense here? Notice what the text says. The text says that Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and in the sight of all Saul's servants. In other words, when we come to this portion of the text, we see that because of David's ministry strategy, it brought him favor from those who were watching his ministry to the king. Y'all in here? In other words, the king elevated him in the kingdom and set him over the army of Israel. And his promotion was accepted in the sight of the whole nation. People loved him because of his ministry strategy, not because of his appointment. People don't love you because God gave you something you to do. They love you because you handle his business correctly. Am I making sense here? He got favor from others. He got approval from others. He was admired by others. All because God's hand was on him and because he had a strategy for how he would handle the ministry that the king assigned to him. That's a lot of meat in that text. Y'all got your forks out? Look, I believe we can learn from David today. I believe that if we took cues from David, we'll, we will find that promotion is on the way for you. I believe that if we stop despising our ministries huh, and embrace what our God has asked us to do, he will give us a strategy that will bring us favor also. Can I tell you that being married is more than just having sex in an intimate relationship? That's a ministry. If you're a husband, you've been called to minister to your queen. If you're a queen, you've been called to minister to your husband. If you're single, you got the highest ministry in the land. Being single unto God and living a life of abandonment in a wicked and fallen world. That's a high call that he don't trust to everybody. Can I talk to you today? Everybody up in here, you've been called to serve somebody. Don't get it twisted. It ain't about them serving you. It's about you serving somebody else. And if you look real good at it, some of us been called to serve more than one person. You got babies, you've been called to serve them. You taking care of parents, you've been called to serve them. You've been trusted with a professional career in society, you've been called to serve somebody. And this text will help you to develop the right strategy so you don't get it twisted and be all flustered and frustrated with what God has called you to do 
in this year. There's so much in this text. Can I keep going? David shows for us that he has a ministry strategy. But in the second verse, or the second point, we see that David in his ministry strategy also embodies ministry silence. Ministry silence. Y'all in here? Keep your Bibles open and walk with me. In verse 6, the text says, now it happened. As they were coming home from war, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women had came out of all the cities of Israel. And they came out singing and they came out dancing to meet King Saul. And they came out, Brother Justin, with tambourines. And they came out with joy. And they came out with musical instruments. In other words, the band was playing, y'all. Can I say some more? And the text says that the women sang as they danced. And this was the lyrics to the song. Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Now, I believe this was a hit song in Israel. It made the billboard top ten. Are you feeling me right here? But let me tell you, this is a dangerous song. Can I tell you why? Because when we arrive at this text, it's showing us that David is a hero coming in from war. And the ladies from all the cities in the nation have got it in their hearts. They're going to bless the king and the new commander from war. In other words, David's fame has preceded his arrival. And his fame has also transcended that of the king. And this could be a troubling thing for a young warrior. See, see, this has the potential of making a young man arrogant. This has all the makings of a rock star attitude in ministry. But David handles it right. He won't let the crowd shake his strategy. See, in spite of the public celebration, the acknowledgement, the praise and exaltation, Kabuya, David stays on track. Even though they sing in songs about him, he keeps his mouth quiet. Dresha's daughter, David, yes, stays in his lane. Even though they made him bigger than the king he's serving. David don't take a chance and believe his press clippings. He keeps silent in his ministry. He stays humble even though the whole nation knows who he is and what it is he's just done. He keeps silent in ministry. David sticks to the ministry strategy, I believe, because he knows who he is and he knows who's really responsible for his promotion. 
Zuliga, check this out, son. David is not trying to be king yet because it ain't his time. He know what he's been anointed and appointed, but it ain't his season yet. Some of us would have took the hit song and ran with it. Let me tell you why I need to be king right now. Am I talking about it? Dave is not trying to be bigger than he is. Because his time ain't came yet. He keeps silent in his ministry. Look, David ain't trying to outshine Saul. Even though the lyrics are saying that he is. He recognizes he's still Saul's servant. And he's still called to work in the king's court. I wrote myself a couple notes here, brothers and sisters. I think you'll appreciate them. I hope you do anyway. But it's good to never outdo the king. It's good to stay in your lane. Even when the world tries to make your ministry greater than God's. Chew on that for a minute. It's good to remember that no matter how big you get, you'll never be bigger than God. It's good to remember that the king called you and promoted you, not the crowd. It's good to stay focused even when they are chanting your name. And you get a thousand likes on Facebook. It's good to remember to always stay the course of the ministry. No matter how tempting it may be. Watch this. To sing your own hit song. Stay silent. Remember this parents. In this year. When the world tries to make you pull away. From the children's ministry in your home. Remember that when they dangle them high promotion jobs for you to leave your babies in somebody else's nursery. Remember the single people when the world tries to lure you into worshiping yourself instead of serving others. Remember this, saints of the living God, when the world tempts you to sing your own praises and take the credit for your own success or sobriety instead of giving it to God. Remember who's responsible for your come up. Don't you pat yourself on the back. Don't you give yourself the praise. Don't you forget about where God picked you up from where he brought you from two quick things look stick to your ministry strategy that's been given to you by the Lord number two keep silent watch this now in your success here it is let other people sing about you don't you sing your own song are y'all in here now we talked about David's ministry strategy. David's ministry of silence. Now look with me at David's ministry to Saul. The text says in verse 8 that after Saul heard the song, then Saul was very angry. And the saying 
it displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Then he asked the question, now what more can he have but the kingdom? Ah, that's a sour king right there. I see the making of a hater coming. To... Don't make it up. Then the text says in verse 9, so Saul, I, David, from that day forward, had his eye on him. Can I work right here? Well, well let me read verse 10. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the house. So David played music with the, his hand as he did at other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. Y'all in here? And verse 11 says, and Saul cast the spear. For he said, I'm going to pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Let me work with these three verses. When we come to this portion of the text, we see what I call is, Brother Bruce, a satanic attack developed against David because of his ministry. When Saul hears the new hit song, he gets angry, BJ. He's jealous of David's popularity and his community status. He's furious that as a king, he's now second popular in the nation. And David has transcended him. In other words, Saul's pride has driven him crazy. Pride ever drove you crazy? Come on, some of y'all hate somebody right now. Because of something, something they got or somebody they got. In Saul's mind, this young boy like David should never outshine the king of Israel. So Saul began to believe that David was now out to get his kingdom. Let me work right here. If you'll remember two chapters ago, God had already removed the kingdom from Saul. Y'all remember that? And he removed it because Saul had failed to obey God and had lost his ministry position. But now Saul in his own flesh is still trying to hold on to what God has already taken away. <laughs> I just said something right there. Saul was in denial and he was aware that the spirit of God had left him. But he thought, hmm. He could do the work of running a nation without the power and the spirit of God. He was trying to do ministry in his flesh. And his anointing was gone. When he saw David's popularity with the women in the country and the power of God on him, he got angry and motivated 
to do something to sabotage and to destroy the one whom God had elevated. Even though David had never did anything to Saul. Okay, I got some more. I got some more for you. Look, Saul becomes the definition of a hater. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The hater, one who is jealous against another because they can't have or can't do what someone else has done. That's the definition. You heard it right here. In living color, right here. Right here. Saul has been influenced by the underworld. And Saul's desire now for murder comes from the underworld. Can I give you some Bible for my theology? Jesus said himself that Satan is a liar and a murderer. And he was from the beginning of time. So anytime murder and lying and haters, all that, that comes from the pit. The influence is from the evil one. Am I making sense here? Look, all hatred and jealousy and desires from murder come from the evil one. Look, David in his ministry, here it is, here it is, here it is, Mason. David in his ministry is called to minister, watch this, to his very closest hater. His ministry is to minister to his closest hater. And God ain't letting him out of the call. Can I say some more? He has a ministry to somebody who's influenced by the devil. And you want to be a pastor. Come on in here. He's been called to serve the one who hates him most. He's been charged to take care of the one who has his eyes on him and to do him in. I preach to him every week. I know it's real. David is up close to his king and up close to his enemy. They're one and the same. But guess what? His ministry strategy, it don't change. Text says, I want to work right here. Saul, I, David. From that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. Watch this. This really got me. And he prophesied in the house. David heard him prophesying and he ran and got the harp. Because he knew that what Saul was talking about wasn't from Yahweh. Ran and got the music instrument and began to play as he had other times. But Saul had a spear in his hand. And Saul, when he heard it, took the spear and tried to throw it at David. Missed. Twice. Tried to kill him. Let me unpack it then. When we arrive at that portion of the text again, Saul was eyeing David. His hatred for him became motivated by the demonic. Uh, Saul tried to kill David 
again, while David was serving in ministry. Uh, in other words, David now, daughter Dana, becomes a man called to minister in the presence of spiritual warfare. Anything that tries to oppose, stop, or hinder the work of God on behalf of God is spiritual warfare. That's, that's the A.D. Wilson definition, right? You guys got that. David now becomes the target of the evil one who was working in Saul. This is the same one that just promoted him. Now a devil is working in him to take his life. David now becomes the evil spirit's focus in the heart of a fallen king. And Saul can't even think about the kingdom because he's become consumed with killing David. Heavy. The text says it was on the next day after he heard the hit song. The evil spirit was causing him to prophesy in the house. David ran and got the harp for Saul to drive the evil spirit that was troubling him away, Garcia. But when he did this, the evil spirit in Saul took the spear that was in Saul's hand and tried to kill him by spearing him to the wall. Here we discover, Garcia, that evil spirits prophesy also. Come on in here, y'all. Where my Bible students at? Evil spirits prophesy. They proclaim things. They speak things. They lie while controlling the bodies and the mouths of human beings. So we should be aware that everything spoken by a spirit doesn't necessarily come from God. Everything being proclaimed as religious and righteous ain't been spoken by God. There's a lot of spirits in the world with a lot of prophecy going on in the airwaves. Now, the text is great. It's silent right here. Rotate. We don't know what he was saying, but we know that whatever he was saying, it wasn't from God. How do we know that, Pastor? Because God had already departed from him. That's good Bible. I don't care where you at. Can I say some more? He was not speaking on behalf of God. He was speaking on behalf of the underworld. And he was doing it while the underworld controlled his mind and his body. You know how I know? How could you be prophesying about the things of God and then take a spear and kill somebody? You will know them by their fruits. can't be up here talking about one thing about God and then go outside and try to kill somebody in the parking lot or hating another culture or hating another human being you can analyze the prophecy by looking at the fruit am I talking to you today when I look at this text I look at this text Saul under the control of the underworld. Yes, Guess what he does? 
he tries to stop David from his ministry. Last week we learned that that was the very thing he needed. Was somebody to come and minister to him, Brother Johnny, when the evil spirit came upon him. And now that David's in his second ministry to the king, the evil spirit tries to make him stop from doing what God has placed him in the palace to do. Can I tell you, the devil is always trying to make you stop. Come on in here. What God has called you to do. I just want to help you this year because I know we got a lot of excuses why we don't come to Super Saturday. I know we got a lot of excuses why we don't love our neighbor. I know we got a lot of excuses about why we hate who we hate. But I need to tell you here, watch your excuses. Make sure they ain't coming from the underworld who's trying to make you stop what God has entrusted you to do. Look at this text with me, y'all. This evil spirit in Saul unleashes an assault with a deadly weapon to try to kill David, who was God's man in the act of ministry. I know I'm repeating myself, but repetition makes the master. My basketball coach told me that. Do that layup again. I made it. Do it again. I made it again. Do it 20 more times. And then switch and do it with the left hand. Why? Because repetition makes the master. I need you to know that the devil's trying to kill you. He's trying to make you stop what God has entrusted you to do. Come on in here. Come on in here. Sure, Sister Cheryl, I need y'all to get this. This year, he wants you to stop now. He wants you to stop feeding. He wants you to stop clothing. Why? He wants you to stop getting people sober. Don't you stop, girl. Can I say something that's real simple but profound? The evil spirit only attacks those who are engaging in ministry. In other words, if you ain't doing nothing, he ain't bothering you. The evil spirit only attacks, yeah, with the plan, watch this, to kill and to destroy. The evil spirit comes to battle. McBee, prepared with weapons to hurt you because God has chosen you. Don't you think that the devil just want to brush you a little bit? His whole goal is to take you out. Anybody feeling my pain up here? Look, the evil spirit saw David as a threat to the work in Saul's life and was using Saul to try to stop and hurt David. You can be ministering to somebody that you know God wants to minister to, but the evil spirit will convince them that they need to hurt you and you trying to help them. I just described to y'all what pastoring is. I'm trying to help you. 
I'm trying to tell you what God says. And you're going to stab me thinking I'm trying to stop you from doing you. that the underworld is influencing you. You think your pastor just being crazy. My ministry is to care for your soul. And you fight me from doing what God called me to do. Evil spirit trying to hurt David. But I'm so glad I kept reading. Amen. Look at this. While the evil spirit had access to get at him, he didn't have permission to get to him. What do you mean? He tried twice, but he missed him both times. Can I argue right there? You can't tell me that Saul was a bad shot. You can't tell me that all he was trying to do was punk David. You can't tell me he was just trying to scare him or that the lighting was bad in the palace. No, he had an intention to kill him. But God gave him a way of escape. Can I say some more? The Lord covered him, Bruce, in the midst of his ministry. The Lord gave him a way of escape from the one who was trying to take his life. Can I tell you why I think this happened? I think this happened because David was sticking with his strategy. And because David stayed silent in his ministry, yeah. God wouldn't let his enemy hurt him because God called him to serve him. Y'all in here now? In other words, in other words, David could have got the spear out the wall. He was the warrior and took the Come on, talk to me, y'all. Took the fight back to Saul. But the first time he missed him, he got back on the harp. And kept playing. Saul drew another time. Tried to kill him. And David just kept playing. Didn't try to retaliate. Didn't try to get even. With the one who had done him wrong. I'm talking to somebody here. See, you can't be ministering to somebody and trying to get even at the same time. Your ministry is shot if you try to get even with your hater. Your ministry is a wrap. As soon as you try to engage with your haters, you might as well forget it and hang up. Your ministry is gone. It's a wrap. The devil has got you to do what he wanted you to do. Get in your flesh instead of remain in the spirit. 
Tell somebody, let, the, let, let God handle your haters. Let God You keep playing the harp. Let me close this thing out. This is my conservative crowd. They don't get happy over here. They just kind of process stuff. I'm, they make me work every Sunday. Bless y'all. Y'all, you want evidence. Amen. I'm with you. Amen. Sometimes I can say boo in this side and get happy over here. Amen. Not this side over there. Like, mm. Say some more, Reverend. Say some more. Let me give you my four point. David's ministry success. This is interesting right here. When you see his ministry strategy, you see his ministry silence, and you see his ministry to Saul, you now get to look at his ministry success. How's that, Pastor? Look at verse 12. The text says, Now Saul, you see this, Dresha? He was afraid of David. Oh, wow. Why? Because the Lord was with him. But he had departed from Saul. So Saul was afraid. Verse 13. So therefore, Saul removed him. Somebody say demoted him. From his presence and made him his captain over just a thousand. And he, David, went out and came in before the people. Look at verse 14. This man is consistent, y'all. He don't change. And the Bible says, and David behaved wisely in all his ways. Y'all see that? And the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, here it is again, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah, they loved David because he went out and he came in before them. Let me unpack this last piece and I'll get out of your way. When we arrive at this final point of the journey, family, we get to see what I call something phenomenal happen. Even though David never retaliated against Saul, even though David never fought back against Saul, even though he never protested, he never called a meeting, never pulled his own spear or sword against the king, God made him victorious. Can I tell you how? He made him victorious by making Saul afraid of him. Amen. Ever whoop somebody without touching them? God made him victor victorious, Garcia, by putting fear ha, in his enemy. Well, that's my kind of fight right there. David could have just went like that to Saul. <laughs> When God put fear in Saul, Saul understood that the Lord was on David's side. 
Well, when Saul saw that the Lord had his hand on David, he trembled in his sight and said, I got to get rid of this man. He recognized that, that this is God's man and he's on God's mission. So Saul, yeah, became mortified of the one he was trying to kill. And the difference was that the Lord was with David and had departed from Saul. Saul was afraid because he tried to kill him and it didn't work. He tried to wipe him out and it didn't work. Couldn't touch him because the supernatural presence of the Lord was with him. And he said, I got to get this man out of my sight. Am I talking to anybody here? Is there anybody here that knows when the Lord is on your side that your enemies are just pawns in the game? Is there anybody here that knows when the Lord is on your side, evil has got to get permission to harm you? When the Lord is on your side, yeah, 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 you are invincible to the haters. Oh, come on in here and talk to me. That's why you got to stay focused in 2016. Got to have a ministry strategy that ain't about you. You got to be silent when they try to hurt you. So the Lord can put fear in your haters and make them leave you alone. I know I'm in the text. Well, let me get on out your way. As Saul became afraid of David, his fear now causes him to make an administrative decision in the kingdom. And he decides, I can't have this man I'm afraid over my whole army. Maybe he'll take the whole army and overthrow the palace. But I can't get rid of him because everybody loves him. So let me just put him over a thousand men. Can I say some more? He thought he was getting rid of David from his presence. But God was simply preserving David from being in the presence of a fool. Sometime the way to go up is to go down. And God's got a way of protecting you from those over you who misbehaving against you. So you can actually take your demotion and praise God in the process. Can I tell you, David ain't lost a thing. They still love him in Israel and they still love him in Judah. Can I push my weight around? He still got the number one song on the billboards. Saul thought he was getting rid of him, but God was rewarding him. Ah, the second thing I notice in the text is that because David behaved himself wisely, y'all see that there? The enemy couldn't mistreat him. What could he say to a nation? By mistreating God's man. Absolutely nothing. Here's where you let your works speak for themselves. Notice how the text kept saying, and he went out and came in among them. And he behaved himself wisely. His ministry had so much integrity that the hater who hated him couldn't even stop it. 
Can I talk about pastoring new beginnings for a minute? Can I let you in my closet for a minute? I know I ain't the most liked pastor in the city. I know people got something to say about Angelus Dion Wilson. But as long as I behave myself wisely, my name will be above reproach. You can hate me in your secret pub meeting. You can talk about me and lead a congregation, but you won't be able to say nothing about my integrity. I know how to go out and I know how to come in. Am I talking to somebody today? I got a ministry strategy for how I pastor this church. Come on, talk to me. I let my words be few. And my works speak louder than my words. You want to talk about what I do? I'll tell you what I do. I preach in Congo. I preach in Haiti. I preach in uh, 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 Uganda and Rwanda. I preach in Cape Town. I preach in, in, in Mississippi. In Chicago. In Illinois. In Fresno, in LA, I serve the university with 3,700 students. I'm married to one wife for life. That's what I do. I pastor the baddest church this side of heaven. I run with the baddest brothers this side of the kingdom. Say what you want to. I go in and I come out the same way. I behave myself wisely. Let me land the plane. When we look at this text, we can see that David is the ultimate picture. Daughter Rose of someone who has humility in the ministry. Can I park the car for a moment? Just for the record, I want you to know that David wasn't a punk. It wasn't like he couldn't kill Saul. He just killed a man twice the size of Saul with a slingshot and a little rock. Can I say more? Don't get it twisted that Angelus Dion Wilson is a punk. I didn't shot somebody before. And I ain't forgot how to shoot again. Don't get it twisted. Don't mistake meekness for weakness. But David's under orders. He's been anointed and appointed. To be the king. And he's got to let God. Deal with the haters. And so his, his picture of humility. In ministry. Is one you need to hold on to. See when you have humility. You understand how to have power. Under control. 
When you have humility, you know how to be in control of yourself and never give that away to somebody who want to take it. Y'all in here? When you have humility, you understand that God is responsible for you and will take care of your confidence to serve him in ministry. So Zuliga, let the haters talk. When you have humility, you understand even though you haven't been called to be, be king this season, your turn is on the way. When you have humility, you understand that bowing down now means rising up later. One of my greatest struggles as a pastor is trying to hold on to humility when I want to smash somebody like a bug because they trying my patience as a man. No, y'all missed My neighborhood upbringing does not like humility. Nothing in me likes humility. But everything about the spirit commands and demands humility. Am I making sense right here? And I told the Lord when I exchanged my nine for the good book. I wouldn't go back to my old ways. But don't push me. I might get amnesia. I ain't a threat. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. David in this text is modeling humility. I like it. Because we're going to see him a few chapters later. Let go of his humility. He's going to become a murderer, an adulterer, a liar, and still be king. He's going to lay his humility down. Pray for your pastor that I don't ever lay it down. I'm serious right there. I'm praying for you too this year that you don't lay your humility down. Tell your neighbor, pray for me, man. Pray for me. I got to leave you now, but what a way to look at this text. David behaved himself wisely in all the ways of the Lord. And I like this. And the Lord was with David. Isn't that good news? And all of Israel and Judah loved him. Well, I got to leave you now. And as I leave you, I want you to know that David's popularity from the people and David's humility in the ministry and David's actions toward humanity remind me of another king. A king who comes from the lineage of David but who was much greater than David. See Jesus had a greater ministry than David but he also had the same ministry problems that David had. Can I preach a little through here? We try to make Jesus look like he didn't have no trouble in his earthly ministry. 
He had haters on the left. Haters on the right. Haters before him, Jazz. And haters after him, daughter. But just as Jesus had haters. And David has haters. You going to have haters. See, this text is trying to teach us that just as Saul tried to stop David and Herod tried to stop Jesus, somebody going to try to stop you. But you got to be able to stay with your ministry strategy, keep silent, and let the Lord deal with your haters. I'm closing when I tell you this. David had a strategy for ministry, and so did Jesus. David was a silent warrior on the way to the throne, and so was Jesus. Jesus yeah, had a ministry to redeem the world that was separated from a holy God. And he had to do his ministry in the midst of a difficult situation. Everything that happened to him happened to him on the way to the throne. And everything that will happen to you and me happens to us on the way to the throne. As Jesus had to fight yeah, his haters, you too will have to stand in the midst of temptation. To let the Lord fight your battles on the way to the throne. But uh, when I look at the Lamb of God and all that he had to endure, I wonder sometimes if I have what it takes to stay the course in a fallen world. See, they claim that his messages was from Beelzebub. They said that his power came from the underworld. They laughed and they mocked him and they made fun of his ministry. And when he came to go to the cross for their own sins, they mocked him, they spit on him, and they cursed him to his face. Jesus didn't come to save his own life but he came to save humanity and even in his ministry to a dying world the world was persecuting him for trying to redeem them but I'm glad today that he stayed the course I'm glad today he didn't throw in the towel even though they talked about him even though they rejected him even though they didn't want what he came to serve he still followed his father's instructions can I get a witness right there I heard I heard he died didn't he die he died for our sins he died and in the course of his dying I heard he prayed on behalf of his haters Father 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 forgive them Lord cause they know not what they do he died 
man didn't he die in new beginnings he died until hell got happy heaven went into mourning and earth went into confusion he died till the graves popped open in the cemetery he died till the sun refused to shine he was in ministry mode while dying for you and me they took the body down and placed him in a borrowed tomb and I heard I heard I heard that early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, he got up from the dead with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. Now that's ministry success in the midst of a hostile world. That's ministry success in a hostile community. When he rose from the dead, he made it back to the throne where he sits now, still engaged in ministry. But can I tell you something here? It's not a ministry without hostility. We still got a world that don't believe he came. Still got a world that don't believe he died. Still got a world that won't accept his deity. Though he reigns, he reigns in a hostile community. So what am I trying to say? There's going to be some suffering in 2016. There's going to be some suffering in everything you're trying to do. But hang on. I said hang on. Hang on. A little while longer, your promotion will come. But it won't come without hostility. It won't come without unbelief. It won't come without trial and tribulation. If Jesus got problem right now, sitting at the right hand of God, you will have problems too, though you're walking with God. Am I talking to you right there? So encourage your neighbor today. Tell them, neighbor, don't worry about your hater. Let God fight your hater. Tell them, neighbor, get your strategy. Keep silent to experience success. Now, ain't God all right? I said, ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? I wonder if you'll help me today. It's the first Sunday of the first year. I wish you'd find somebody else who's got a ministry and give them a hug today. Tell them, be encouraged this year in your ministry. Be encouraged this year in your ministry. Come on, hug somebody. Tell them, don't quit, neighbor. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because I'm a soldier on the battlefield for the Lord. I am on the battlefield. Yes, I'm on the battlefield. And I promised him that I I would. Uh, well, I left my home and kindred 
bound for the promised land. The grace of God upon me and the Bible in my hand. And in distant land I try, Christ and I come to God. Cause I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Come on, church. I'm on the battlefield. Let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen again.